We're going to be reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, verse 11 through 21. And the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketful of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12, and the seven for the 4,000. How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? This is the word of the Lord. Uh, many years ago, uh, I was invited by a guy to come and meet, before we ever started Christ Community Church, to come and meet uh, with a, a man that um, had an office that was nearby, and so, okay, I said, I'll go, I'll go by and visit with you and meet him. Um, he said, I think you might be interested in what, what y'all are trying to do here. And so I go, and um, I told this man, like, what we were doing, and I said, um, he said, I think he looked at me and said, well, that's a tall order what you're trying to do in uh, the Christian culture that you're trying to do it in. And um, he said, it's going to be really hard for you to stay the course. And um, I knew that, but, you know, you just time is difficult because as, as the time goes on, it's harder and harder, you know. But anyway, that man was Mike Smith. He's sitting back there in the very back of the church here, and uh, he has continued to be a blessing to me and a reminder that um, we stay the course. We anchor our lives in heaven, as we were talking about, and we hold fast to the end. And that song we were just singing, Christ the sure and steady anchor, we believe that to be true. We have zero hope in ourselves here. And if today as you study, you're like self-righteously looking at the text and thinking like you are deserving of anything before God, you have missed what we've taught here. You are a foolish, foolish person. Because we proclaim the truth, and the truth is that there is a holy God, and we are sinful people, and we are in need of him to rescue us and save us. And that's what we talk about over and over. Our worship services start with a call to worship, 
beholding your God. They lead you to confess your sin. And they drive you to trust in the Savior with an assurance of pardon. He is your hope. And then we try to preach that and we model that in our Lord's uh, uh, Supper every week as we are saying, there is one hope in this life and the one to come, and that is Christ. There is no hope in man. The boys and I have been reading, uh, and Anna have been reading Isaiah, and the first five chapters is, there is no hope in man. Isaiah 6.1 says, and King Uzziah died. There was no hope in man. And guess who showed up? God did. God did. Because that was really their only hope. And so Mike has reminded me of that, and I was just sitting back there with him thinking about that. And uh, y'all know, I mean, if you've seen on last week, there was a prayer for him, but also on Ram, you know, that he is going through a lot of um, uh, physical things at the moment. And so I just want to pray for him and thank God for him. And just, he's told me over and over, whatever happens, whatever happens, it's all good. Because his anchor's in heaven, you know? So I'll just say, set your anchor. Some of you are so fearful of, like, what this life has to hold. And I struggle with that, too, and we struggle and fight and try to kind of get to this point where we, we want to anchor ourselves in earth in a foundation that is not sure. And so I just, uh, that's kind of the start of the sermon, but not really. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we're able to sit before it. We thank you that it is given to us so that we might understand. We thank you that the whole grand narrative of your scriptures are that you are the great rescuer of people who are blind and need sight. I pray for Mike today. I pray that he would be reminded of your mercies that are new every morning, that he would trust in your faithfulness, that he would be steadfast and immovable and always abounding in the works of the Lord, knowing that his labor is not in vain. That he would see this light and momentary affliction, that it has nothing to compare to the glory to be revealed. In Christ's name, amen. So, Today we're in Mark, and um, the theme today, you could say, is like spiritual blindness. That's what it's about, kind of like seeing but not seeing, being around spiritual things but not really seeing the point, seeing the, uh, gra- grasping it, you might say. Uh, the first kind of thing we'll see is Jesus dealing with Israel's leaders. The second one is Jesus and his disciples. One of them is like a permanent blindness. The other one is, you could call it a temporary blindness. Um, They're both on display for us because we understand that we don't come here spiritually uh, alive or with spiritual sight. The scripture says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And so we come here in darkness and need the light. Um, For some, as you'll see, these spiritual leaders, these self-righteous People, they will see themselves as in the light, but they will really be in the darkness. For others, they will have periods of darkness, but be receiving the light. And so we will see both of those on display. 
You know, every religion in the world talks about that. Like it talks about spiritual enlightenment, spiritual sight. People will say, I'm a spiritual person. But only Christianity, as its claims are, that is where the light is. Jesus is the light of the world. That is where our only hope is. John 1.5 says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That's the truth. He is the light. John 1.6 says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. It is clear that humanity, left to themselves, will not see light. They are incapable of seeing light. And what you see with these religious leaders is that they are so close, because They have the Old Testament Scriptures that all pointed to Jesus. They had those things, and yet they were doubly blind. They had what one author said, an apostate form of Judaism. They had corrupted God's revelation for their own kind of like good so that they could almost feel like they put God in a box, that they owned Him in a way because they could say, well, I'm a good person. They come up with all different types of reasons why Uh, They were in a good place. They thought they were people of the light. And like I said, they were doubly blind. And they made people doubly blind. Jesus said that those type people would would make someone twice the son of hell. What a scary thing that you might lead your children to be twice the sons of hell. You would look at them, you'd say, oh, don't do those bad things. They're already in a state of condemnation. Don't do bad things like just clean up your life and be a good person. And so then you make him think, oh, I'm so good. God must accept me now. And so he was first in a state of complete corruption and brokenness and sinfulness. And now he self-righteously thinks he's in a good place. Would that not be frightening? That that would be what you guided your children to? Some of you, your goal is to make them really behave. Knowing that if you affix their behavior and you never the, the gospel never penetrates their hearts, they are in as bad a place or possibly worse than they ever were before. That's a scary thing, and that's what these people were like. John 1 says, speaking of the Jews, that they did not receive the, the light. Romans 1, speaking of the Gentiles, says they did not receive the light. Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. So they have this light. The world has some light of the glorious things that God has done. They have this general revelation that is before them and yet they suppress that truth. Verse 20 and 21 says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that he has made, so that they are without excuse. So, for although they knew God, not in a saving way, but they knew the evidence of God. They, they, knew, all of, they knew him through their uh, observing his revelation. God did not... Uh, they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. 
Scripture says, claiming to be wise, they became fools. And so I think it's important just for you and I, when we're looking at this text and we're saying, what does it mean to be spiritually blind? We have to say to ourselves, like, there are those who are professed to be a part of the light. I've read the Bible. You know, it's like that, but you're like, but you don't understand the message of the Bible. You missed it. It's not you saving yourself. You missed that message. Hey, here's the memo. You can't do it. Jesus did not come because you could do it for yourself. You cannot do it, and therefore Jesus had to come. Ephesians 4.17 says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. They have hard hearts, ignorant minds, darkened understanding, and that is how you understand the human condition. The Jewish religious person and the rebellious person, that is their condition. John 3.19 says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. That is the condition that we are in. We are profoundly blind by nature. That is where we find ourselves. And 2 Corinthians 4 says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from, from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of, of Christ, who is the image of God. So they're blind by nature, by sin, by choice, by Satan, and by the power over, over their soul, the satanic blindness that comes. That is where they are. Now you might say, is God involved in that? Well, what's interesting is if you study uh, somebody like Pharaoh, people are, you see in his life, he is hardening his heart, and God is hardening his heart. There is a place where, like, rejection continues and God gives them over that's what Romans 1 says and Luke 19 speaks in this way and when he drew near Jesus seeing the city wept over it and he said would that you even you had known on this day the things that were made uh, that make for peace but now they are hidden from your eyes Jesus in the when you see him dealing with uh, giving people um, parables you see like he says like no longer will I speak to them in clear ways they are hardened they're rebellious. They're rejecting the Lord. And so today there's either like someone who is permanently blind or someone who may be temporarily. There's an aspect of you going in and out of, of blindness, you know, where you'll see and then not see. And then you're going to go through this process and you see that with the disciples. And so we struggle with clarity to understand, to see and believe the the, the Pharisees their struggle was a perpetual state of rebellion that cost them their lives. And so we're looking at spiritual blindness today, and I want you to look at verses 11 through 13 and see something of like what the permanently blind look like. They're waiting on Jesus. And Matthew says that the Sadducees had come with them. So these religious leaders kind of united together. I don't know if you've ever uh, been something where like maybe like there were brothers and they're always fussing and fighting with one another. And then uh, what would happen is they're fussing and fighting and coming up with all these things. And they don't like each other and all that kind of stuff. But if somebody like goes after one of the brothers, they unite. That's kind of what this is like. They, they, get, they gather up together and they're like, well, we're, we're ready for a fight. 
their favorite time in life is either fighting one another or fighting their greatest enemy. Well, I mean, in this case, the gospel is their enemy. The, the Christ is their enemy. And so I think it's important just to see that. So from this point on, Jesus is not just going to, he's going to kind of finish up speaking to the leaders of, of Israel in Galilee, and from this point on, he will kind of be like a condemning judge to them. That's kind of, that's what's going to, I mean, because it, it's going to shift. Things are shifting in a very powerful way. So I think it's just important to understand that. He is, he is going from then, like really in chapter 9, you'll start seeing like he may go back through Galilee for a minute, but he's only going through there and speaking to his disciples. The public ministry is over. The light, listen, this is kind of important. The light's going out. The time. The time for seeing is, is beginning to close on those people. It's kind of... Uh, Really what will happen is, as that light begins to kind of go out, the high point will be that great confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Those who have continued to reject, those who have continued in their self-righteousness, they will be lost forever. And so that's kind of the idea. You're watching this unfold. So those who follow Jesus, like those who are truly His, that are not permanently blind, uh, they are going to have to go against the rabbis, the priests, the chief priests, the Pharisees, the scribes, everybody. Jesus, they're going to go with the one they call the bl a blasphemer. And that's how it'll be. He will ultimately be crucified. So the religious leaders, they're holding on to their darkness. And that's what you see. They, 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 they love their sin. Listen to this. They love their self-righteousness. They love it. They are naturally blind, sinfully blind, satanically blind, and sovereignly blind, one person said. So, I think it's important just to understand that. So when Jesus walks back into the territory, he's been traveling, he's fed the 5,000, he's fed the 4,000, and now he arrives back and he's before the Pharisees and they begin to argue with him because they hate his message. Pharisees hate the gospel message. Do you know why? Because it's a message of repentance. It's a message of having to agree with God about your sin. It's a message of grace. They, a Pharisee doesn't want a message of grace. They want a message of, I did it. I did it. They don't want that message of grace. They love their self-righteous sin. They love the sense of achieving their own redemption. I did it. My way. That's, how, that's the Pharisees' story. They did it their way, not God's way. And so I think it's important to see that. So you just kind of, a couple of things you might see when you're looking at this. It's people who are spiritually blind gather around those who are spiritually blind. The reality is, they might do that in something that's called a church. Spiritually blind people gather with spiritually blind people. And even... Sometimes when they're enemies, they might be fighting with one another, but they're going to gather up together, and that's what they do against Jesus. The, the blind hate the light, and so they want to extinguish the truth. They want the truth to go out. They want it to be, they want it to be put out. They want whatever they think of as light out of the picture. Now, if you were studying about the Pharisees, um, you know they're legalists, they're ritualists, 
They're out counting every little detail. Like if they were talking about their tithe, they would be over there uh, taking little tiny, like they're just, they're legalists. They're very much uh, ordered in that, that way. They're very much into the ritual. The Sadducees, who are not their friends, they're liberal people. And they're kind of rationalists. They've, they're almost like Thomas Jefferson, who took, you know, wrote his own like gospel kind of thing and, and took out all the miracles. They don't believe in the resurrection. Those people didn't. They don't believe in um, demons. They, they were worldly kind of thinking about when it came to thinking about the uh, spiritual things. And so these people are against one another, but they're not in this case. The Sadducees were not theologians like the Pharisees. The Sadducees, like, they took care of the temple operations. They jacked up prices for animals, disqualified their, uh, the people's animals that show, they showed up with. They ended up selling it to them, but then they would, like, take the money and say, well, I'm not taking your regular money unless you trade it for our money. And then they did all kinds of things to kind of hurt them. So one, one thing you could say about the Sadducees is like they really are. They're kind of the liberal people, and the Pharisees are what you would call pious people. And remember, they corrupted the law. They hated, though, anything that had to do with Rome. They hated anything that had to do with um, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the people out in the world that were like doing bad things. They're immoral people. They hated those people. You know, they hated all those things. So you kind of have these two groups of people, uh, one who compromised kind of on everything and kind of embraced the Greek culture, the liberals, and then one very conservative group. Both hate Jesus. Both hate Jesus. Imagine that. They both hated Jesus. And so that's kind of what you're seeing. Evil company is better kind of for them than righteous company. They kind of gathered together. They're united in their attack on Jesus. And so they want a sign from him. And they're testing him. And really in that time period, uh, there was this idea that like a sign from God is what you needed, not like something that came from earth. So it would be like they would say something like, you know, the, 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 uh, in, in Moses' time, the magicians in Pharaoh's court, they, those people, they, uh, they were able to do some of the things that... Um, that, that Moses was able to do. So Jesus might just be like those people. That's already, they've already said that. Jesus is of Satan. That's kind of how they saw it. And so they were looking at it in that way. They were saying, like, why don't he do something really big, like stop the sun? and do, You know, there's a lot of different things like that. He, they want to bring fire from heaven. They really don't want anything from him. But they say they need more signs, more proofs that he is the Messiah. And then they would truly believe in him. The problem is, is somebody like Nicodemus said, you know what, we all know you're from God. We all know you're from God. But they have to be united in their rebellion against the light. They hate it because they love the darkness. They're in complete rebellion. So it's been testified to that, that God actually, uh, I mean, he is revealing himself through, I mean, in Christ you have God incarnate, and he is doing all these miraculous things, but they are not receiving it. Now, what happens to people who see the light? You just got to think about this for a minute. That are in the darkness, they just continue further into their darkness. That's another thing you could say. They just go further in. They dive deeper into their darkness, deeper into their religion, deeper into their rebellion. They further and further away from God. The religious Pharisee is the the in the prodigal son story is the one sitting outside the party when the gospels come. They're sitting out there and they're like, hey. God owes me. Hey, I've been really good. 
hey, I deserve to be in the kingdom. Hey, my gospel is me as the Savior. That's kind of the Pharisee way, you could say. And so their darkness deepens. Their darkness deepens. It's, it's like um, the impact of their sin just kind of grows and grows and grows. And God will respond by eventually he will, the, the light will be pulled away because they have embraced the darkness. They are condemned. And that's kind of what you see, maybe the third thing you could say. These people that are the blind leaders of the blind, people that are blind guides, that, that Jesus calls fools and hypocrites, these people, the, these who are called the wicked and adulterous generation, these people are in a state of complete and absolute uh, corruption, and they are absolutely lost. Jesus said the only thing that they would see, lastly, is the sign of Jonah, where he would go down into the grave and come up resurrected. And so then he's going to leave them. And it's not just that he's walking away. He is leaving. The light is leaving. The light is leaving. And I just think it's important sometimes in our culture where, where you kind of grow up around Christianity and perhaps even a gospelist Christianity, you may, not even, you may not even know that you're in darkness, that you don't love the light, that you don't treasure Christ. You, you, you like... You like the religious aspects. I can go to church. I can tithe. I can do this. I can do that. I'll get those things done. I like the religion. It makes me feel good about myself. But I don't really love Jesus. I don't really want to follow him. So those with permanent blindness, he's leaving and the light is going out of that area. And so you keep going forward and you see kind of this temporary blindness in verses 13 as we continue forward. You'll see that. And so what we would say there, and what you need to think about in that case is that we're looking at these disciples who clearly don't always, they struggle with understanding. They struggle with seeing. Uh, they need help to see. They need Jesus to constantly speak to them. They, they need him to guide them and direct them. They, they need a lot of instruction and practice in walking alongside him in verse 13 and he left them it says and he got in the boat and went to the other side again with his disciples now what you see about the disciples is they have forgotten bread and they only have one loaf they're thinking about lunch they're not thinking about all the other things that are going on they're thinking about that and it says and he cautioned them saying watch out beware of the leaven of the pharisees and the leaven of herod so this is kind of an interesting thing because you're like what in the world is going on here there, he has just been speaking about spiritual things, and they are thinking about food. And so that's what um, kind of is going on. And so what happens is, is Jesus is going to address them, and he's going to talk to them, and he's going to say, um, don't, don't, like, like, don't be thinking about the food thing. <laughs> like, just focus in real quick on what is the problem, what is going on. These Pharisees are a corrupt people, and they'll, there's corruption that will come towards you. So I want you to see just first, like, they're very short-sighted. They can only think about their stomachs at the moment, which some of you might do that every Sunday morning. Like, I'm hungry. Where am I going to go to lunch? I'll text my whoever and see where we're going, right? Okay, so let's keep going here. But just think about this. With the, with the disciples, they are drawing close to Jesus in that they are close to him. They're... They're, they're, they're going to get close to him, and so they're comfortable being close to Jesus, being close to the light. But Jesus is saying to them, beware of the legalists, 
really, it, he doesn't say each one of these, but you have to think in context. Beware the legalists, as Matthew's talked about, the liberals. And then he picks up the Herodians who were kind of like, you might say, the secular group that were like thinking about building, I don't know, a government. That would be a thing there where they were trying to like stay in with the Romans. And so they were known for their political engagement and political influence. Herod and all of his people, they were known for that. And he's saying like, watch out for these people. Watch out for them. They're leaven. This is the idea of like leaven, you know, permeates stuff. It is a yeast. It is like yeast comes in and makes dough rise by a bacterial kind of corruption. And that is what's going on. He's saying like, hey, when that comes in on you, it will take over you. Watch out for their influences. They're really deceptive. Watch out for them. Sometimes like people who are, will tell you something like, I know the Bible, and they will like they have this structure that they lay out, and they'll be like, you know, this number and this and this and this, and then they'll say like, now don't you see you didn't really know the Bible that well, did you? And you're like, I've uh, been holding on to the historic faith once for all, delivered the saints for ge- generation after generation. I can go back century after century after century after after century. Are you telling me I don't know the Bible? Well, you know, I mean, there's this and this and this. Well, those people could really confuse you. The leaven of the Pharisees, their legalism, you think, oh, yeah, I like to, I want to make sure I'm good. I want to make sure I'm good. Or the liberal, like, oh, I need to be free. I need to, we just need to be free, free to do whatever, blah, 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 you know. Or the somebody that's saying, like, don't you think Jesus wants you to have power in this present age over the governments and governing authorities? And you're like, yes, I think he wants that, you know. And so all those things are like, they're going after you, and you're like, they're missing the gospel. They're taking away the gospel. They're making, they're putting emphasis where emphasis shouldn't be. They're not centered in Christ. They have, so that's where the disciples are. They're facing that. So although they're really strongly comfortable with the light, they're very close to the light, there is this great danger that they might face. It's interesting. Sometimes with my boys, I'll like explain something really serious, and I'll be like, now, did y'all get that? And be like, yeah, what's for lunch? What's for lunch? It's like, what are you talking about, what's for lunch? You know, I just like pass down to you something that will be with you for the rest of your life, you know. And they're like, what's for lunch? So, what are we eating for lunch? So anyway, that's kind of how we can struggle sometimes. And we do that. And the disciples are battling with that. So they begin in the midst of this discussing bread. <clears throat> Jesus is like, <clears throat> are y'all's hearts that hardened? Now, here's the beautiful thing. I said that they're not believing as they should be. But has he left them? No. What does he do? He gives them greater light. He keeps exposing them to things. He tries to help them understand. He wants them to grasp greater things. And he says, listen, do y'all not remember what I've done? I fed the 5,000. I fed the 4,000. Y'all don't see that? Are y'all that blind? Come on, man. Like, why are you in this state of, like, struggling with that right now? I've, you know, some people would argue, like, he's fed... 20,000 people when he fed the 5,000. He just mentioned the men. And probably with the 4,000, 15,000. He's fed 35,000 and they've been involved. You know, what, what are y'all doing? And so I think it's just important to see is like, though he does not leave them there, he's trying to help them understand. He is going to address some of their struggles here, but he's trying to say, listen, don't y'all understand what I have done? Do you not remember that? Sometimes for us, when we start forgetting and re- we have to have reminders. And I know some people, I've had friends that just take rocks and they write down something that God did in their life. 
they put them in a little bucket in their house so they can go back and look at his faithfulness. Because sometimes they just need to be reminded because they kind of were blind to those things. And so Jesus is going to speak to them, but he is not speaking to them. He's not leaving them. The light's not leaving them. He is staying close to them, and they are staying close to him. In verse 21 it says, And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? But I think it's important to say Matthew adds this footnote. They did understand. It's like they did not, but they did. He is helping them. He's moving them along. These people, these disciples, they're not temporary companions of Jesus. They're permanent companions. They have to pray, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. They, they, they know what that's like. But the reality is, is these people are permanent companions of the light. They, 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 they are going to treasure the light. Are they going to struggle with it? Yes. When he goes to the cross, are they wanting to stand with him? No. But they are people of the light. They're going to go against everything in their culture, every religious system around them, everyone that's saying, hey, it's about like us doing kind of whatever we want to do. And then the other group saying like, no, you're going to be every little rule. I'm going to put all that on you. And then another group saying like, hey, wait, we've got to do this political thing and take over the world and have a really good political influence. And he's saying Jesus is calling them to him and to his kingdom that will never end. And they are staying close to that. They are people with temporary blindness, not permanent blindness. So you this morning, I don't know where you stand on that. Reality is, is uh, you could grow up in church, be around it. You could grow up in a tradition, be around it. And the tradition may have led you to believe that you somehow were the great hope of your life and not see Jesus as the great hope, as the light of the world, as the one who saves us. So wherever you are, I don't know, but I think it's important for you to understand that. I read a little bit of a, a story this week of... Um, in an article from a guy named Barnes was his last name <clears throat> and he told a little story and he said in France there once lived a poor blind girl who obtained the gospel of Mark and raised letters and learned to read it by the tips of her fingers by constant reading these became callous these her fingers that is and her sense of touch diminished until she could not distinguish the characters one day she cut the skin from the ends of her fingers to increase their sensibility, only to destroy it. She felt that she must now give up reading, basically, the beloved book. And weeping, she pressed it to her lips, saying, Farewell, farewell, sweet word of my heavenly Father. To her surprise, her lips, more delicate than her fingers, discerned the form of the letters. All night she pursued with her lips, the word of God, and overflowed with joy at this new acquisition. Are you in the light? If you are in the light, you will love the light. You will love the Christ. You will love his gospel. And you will draw close and draw near to him. And you will stand in the presence of his glory in his light forever. If not, you are in outer darkness. And I encourage you to turn to him today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for spiritual sight. Father, I know there are some here that might not have even understood what we were talking about this morning. I pray that you give them eyes to see. 
awaken them to the truth of your word. Set them free from their bondage. In Christ's name, amen.